Hello and welcome to Getting Lit, Alana and Wendy's totally excellent literary podcast. This is season three, episode nine of our romance-focused podcast. My name is Alana and I'm one of your hosts today. And I'm Wendy, your other host. Today we're discussing Hard As It Gets by Laura Kay. How are you? So great. That's just a great (laughs) title. That's just a great title. Very on brand for this podcast. (laughs) There's a torso. There's a there's definitely a torso on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm good, Alana. How are you? I'm good. We're actually looking at each other. We're, we're, we're gazing into each other's eyes because uh, we are in the same place. Usually, we are in two different places. Putting uh, Wendy's in Little Rock, and I'm in Lafayette, Indiana, and we're in the same place. We're both in Little Rock, the Little littlest, rock. the littlest of rocks, the rock that is little. Yes, the small rock. Mm-hmm. Of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. The joke has been is that is that Wendy has little dogs, and we've only <laughs> and we've been eating tiny pies, and and charcuterie like, and charcuterie like little pieces of meat and stuff, and uh, so we just everything's whittle. Everything is just the whittlest. It's little. <laughs> it's just little. It's just little little rock. Put a little, little southern in there. Little. Little. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, man. It's also Thanksgiving. It's also Thanksgiving when yeah, we were recording Yeah, Alana and Matt came to visit me in Little Rock to cook me a, a Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner. You helped. It's just that <laughs> we kind of know how to do it. And, uh, and so we just kind of did the plan. So that's great. <laughs> I think because we great. were kind of like, when are you going to put it in? And, you know. And then I was like, I don't Mm-hmm. 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 But yeah, we yeah we had a Thanksgiving Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we picked out a good turkey, and we brought um, we made some mashed potatoes and green bean casserole, and we have at least three times the amount of food that we need. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like so excited about the week ahead uh-huh. and all of the all of the leftovers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Piles and piles of leftovers. Just piles and piles. Because, you know, as someone who's like a tertiary guest, not even like a second tier guest, I don't even like, I don't even get like, bring a side dish. I get, just bring yourself. Just bring, yeah, you're at the just bring yourself <laughs> yeah. level. Yeah. So I just like leveled up two levels yeah. by cooking my own, well, you know, having my own <laughs> turkey cooked in the house. Well, that's the thing is, is when you invest into the system, you receive the dividends. That's true. That's really true. You receive true. the dividends, and so you end up with, with leftovers, mm-hmm. um, which are tasty, right? Like the yeah. turkey sandwich and the... Um, yeah, I love, I love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is great because all you have to do is overeat, and you've done the holiday. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything. You just need to eat... Yeah. In amount There's of food. There's no, like, second tier, like, thing that you're supposed to celebrate, like, mm-hmm. Jesus or Santa or, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? You don't have to go anywhere, like, on New Year's Eve. Yeah, you have to go out on New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah. You can't just stay up until midnight, which yeah. should count. My mom has a really hard time staying up till midnight. You probably do, too. I do. <laughs> Me and your mom were, the first thing I did is I'm coming from Eastern to Central, which is where Wendy lives, and I'm like, I wake up at 6 a.m. every morning, so that'll be 5 a.m. here. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, we might not overlap in terms of the day, because Wendy gets up at, like, you know, like 10 or 11, maybe, Mm -hmm. so. Um, 
But but no no, it's great. It's great having the um the leftovers and eating the food and and the tiny pies. And uh, mm-hmm. yesterday we watched a Netflix original Christmas movie, mm-hmm. uh, a romance called Christmas Wedding Planner. Yes. Uh-huh. It's just, you know, you just like take word salad and you put it together. <laughs> anything related to romance plus anything related to Christmas. Together. Together. <laughs> uh, which ends in a, I, I don't think it's a spoiler in romance because no. it ends with a surprise wedding. Which is like the best idea. I think this guy might be a psychopath because we really don't get any we don't reason. Don't get any why backstory he... on the last twenty years of his life or how he became. And a he's essentially eye. like, you know, crashing his ex girlfriend's wedding, which is sketchy no matter what backstory you put behind that. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. then he like is not really that nice or doesn't really do anything nice to make up for it, and then he proposes to her after her cousin's wedding is disbanded by him (laughs) so that this fucker gets a free wedding like what else are they gonna do they're not gonna have it would be like can i have my wedding instead of you and then she'd be like no like you can't say no everybody's there everyone's there like it would be real awkward to be like you can't have my wedding yeah pick a different date but, uh, yeah, and there's, um, like, she's texting her dead mom throughout the story. Mm-hmm. Um, That's fun. Uh, we noticed that a side character was definitely a member of NSYNC, and I yeah. called it. You know, I am very rarely wrong when it comes to identifying, ca- uh, like, old actors. Mm-hmm. And Alana bested me, and it was, like... <laughs> It was a little humbling, to be honest. I just know my, I just know my, uh... Your I only paid attention for, like, I would say, like, half a year in sixth grade to culture. Very closely. <laughs> Very closely during that period. I was, like, fully invested in, like, whatever was going on pop culture-wise for that, like, I'm just gonna say from, like, February to, like, November of, like, fifth and sixth grade. And, and I've, and so I know the sync. I know, I know their faces and... Occasionally facts about them and, and Backstreet Boys and that whole, you know, that whole universe. <laughs> the the Backstreet Boys extended universe. The Backstreet Boys extended, extended universe. <laughs> so, currently part of Disney. Currently part of Disney. <laughs> theme park soon. Oh my god. A Backstreet Boys theme park. <laughs> oh god. Set to like, like, you just have normal rides, but they would just like be like timed to... Backstreet Boys songs. Oh my god, that's perfect. Yeah. And like Nick Carter is like actually working the <laughs> music park thing. Uh, the whole Carter family. Uh, it'd be one of those like extending rides where you go up and up and up and up and up. And then it would be Backstreet's back. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like like down, like all the way. Like We need this copyrighted right, uh, right now. now. Oh my god, oh my god. Patent, patented, you know. TM. TM. Restricted. Mm-hmm. Probably Backstreet Boys would do that. Yeah, I mean, they they kind of might own the uh, copyright on that. Um, Backstreet Boys. I'm just I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. So, what are we drinking, Alana? We are drinking. Um, so it's the holidays. So we're having an eggnog latte. That's pretty I simple. Love and it's got one and a half tablespoons of spiced rum, and then a cup of eggnog non-alcoholic eggnog, 
Hilland is what I see on the uh, package here. Mm -hmm. um, and then a cinnamon stick and then a dash of cinnamon and nutmeg to kind of make it a little bit fancier. Um, so basically an eggnog. So basically eggnog. It's just eggnog. <laughs> we just kind of we i got into town on like wednesday night so it, we had we had a, and i hadn't finished the book at that point so i didn't really know what else to call um so i call it um after a quote from one of the side characters that was so like so it's a villain and he looks at the main protagonist and says so we meet again <laughs> So we named and that. You that. might be thinking that the the person, the character who said "So we meet again," has like this opera cape with a top hat and a mustache that curls. <laughs> you know, you you would think that. No, this is a gangbanger who <laughs> is covered in tattoos, and I think his name is like Jamal or something. It's yeah. like something not right. Yeah, it's definitely like this book has some some racist issues. We just yeah. need to make that put that up front. But um, but uh, yeah. So um, and he says, "So we meet again." So we meet again. <laughs> like I, during after he's been kicked in the head, I think. So yeah. it's not even like a time. He gets out of his car and he's like covered in bruises, mm -hmm. and he recently had tried to kidnap her, mm -hmm. and like. Instead of being like, hey, bitch, or something. <laughs> yeah, or like, it's you, which is what I would say. Hey. <laughs> ah, yes. What's up? Well, also, isn't he meeting that person? Like, didn't they organize in it? Like, yeah. Uh -huh. He was surprised. So we meet again. You, who I called and told to come here. <laughs> yeah, he's a... Yeah. It was, it reminded me a lot of the, the Baby for a Billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> book <laughs> where the 19 year old boy <laughs> leaves a voicemail that says, you shall reap what you sow. <laughs> <laughs> These people are really good at writing dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> Real great. So, um, we are reading this as you got from that, um, uh, a hard as it get, which is in the tattoo parlor sub genre mm -hmm. of romance, which I would put like in the bad boy. Typically, I feel like tattoo parlor is a subset of bad boy romance novels yeah. uh, in general, where people are inked. Um, and because you gotta be a bad boy if you're you, inked. Yeah, because you have to. That's the only way anyone ever gets a tattoo is by being bad. Um, and I'll read kind of the the little bit on, on it. Tall. Dark and lethal. <sighs> Trouble just walked into Nicholas Rixie's tattoo parlor. Becca Merritt is warm, sexy, wholesome, pure temptation to a very jaded Nick. He's left his military life behind to become co-owner of Hard Ink Studio. But Becca is his ex-commander's daughter. <gasps> Loyalty won't let him turn her away. Lust has plenty to do with it, too. With her fa- Sorry. Mm -hmm. With her brother presumed kidnapped, Becca needs Nick. She wasn't expecting to want him so much. Sorry, she just wasn't expecting to want him so much. That's what I meant. As their investigation turns into an all-out war with organized crime ring, only Nick can protect her, and Becca can only heal the scars no one else sees. Desire is the easy part. Love is as hard as it gets. Good thing Nick is already up, is always up for a challenge. <laughs> She's 
She's healing with her vagina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this book. This, um... So, I mean, there are a couple of different genres at play here. There's the wounded warrior. Mm-hmm. There is he- healing with your vagina, which is related to the wounded warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's special ops. He's... What is he, like... Yeah, he's just army. Yeah, I think he's army. And part of this involves like a large reunion of all of his army command group Mm -hmm. so they can go and do something together. Which I was hoping at the time was just going to become, yeah, let's do this mission. And the mission is group therapy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, together. Like they were going to do some some really deep healing. (laughs) And they talk about their feelings. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I guess I, like, so we've been talking about it on and off um, as as we were sort of, like, reading it. Yeah, we both had to to finish it, which yeah. is not boding well for two people who can handle reading bad books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's long, 368 pages. Yeah. So I think that was part of it. So overall, what did you think of the book, Wendy? It was, it was not great. It was just not yeah. great. Yeah. It was a lot of boring stuff, too. It was boring. I would say it was boring. I think it's also, like, so this is, let me see. This is the first of a series, right? Which is usually not bad in romance novels, no. but it's also the first of a plot arc that I have no investment in. Yeah, zero. Yeah. Zero. I was, like, by the end of the book, I was, like, have a nice life. <laughs> you know, when, you know how, like, romance novels, they always introduce a character, and you're like, ooh, I wonder about their romance story. Yeah. No, yeah. none of them. Yeah, they were just a whole set of wounded warriors, and I wasn't interested in any of their stories. And also, I, I think it's kind of misleading to even put it in the tattoo parlor subgenre, because I've read tattoo parlor subgenres before, and they're, like, um... You have the... So, okay, so bad boys can go two ways. Bad boys can be either um, a bad boy can get shit done for you to make you feel safe. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, a bad boy living outside the lines, like not necessarily, um, you know, your heteronormative, like, white bread kind of kind mm-hmm. of guy. And the books, the books that I read, Jay Crown over, um, it was more like that. Like they were not, they were not like five, nine to five guys, you know, mm-hmm. they all, they all had a tattoo parlor or they were a rock star or whatever, you know, and the girls just kind of had to deal with it. But they were also like, you know, kind of off the mark and like being more progressive as well. Mm-hmm. And the girls were kick-ass because the girls who worked there um, were tattoo artists, you know. So you got to meet some kick-ass girls. But in this book, I was like, where are the girls at? Yeah. <laughs> like, like um, there was this one girl that showed up that had pink, pink pigtails. And I was like, okay, let's see more of her. I want to see some badass chick who does tattoos, you know. Mm-hmm. And then she she was kind of like laughed at for being promiscuous, mm. and then she left. She was never seen of again. Yeah, the dog steals her underwear, right? Yeah, the dog steals her underwear. And meanwhile, we have like freaking sainted Becca, <laughs> who like you don't you don't think of is like 
like she she looks at Nick once and then she's like, okay, that's the person that I am fully committed to for the rest of my life. Amen. You know, like one of those like dibs situations because all these hot guys keep on like coming in one after another yeah, after another. Yeah. And she's like, I wish I wasn't like totally committed to this guy I just met yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> I already caught one, so I can't think any of these would be good yeah. ideas. She was like a nurse, and I was like, you, madam, are a serial monogamist. <laughs> she was one of the ones that would totally meet some guy and then be like basically married to him, and then they would break up. And then she'd meet the, another guy the next day and be basically basically married to him. Like, there's no way in hell that she didn't have a boyfriend before this. Yeah, it seemed rather surprising given... Well, also, like... The, the, so let's just look at this, like, objectively as a book. So Becca is, like, having problems with her lashing out brother Charles, who has a, pays for a lot of things in cash, who seems very paranoid... And who, like, is maybe involved in some organized crime at times, right? And he's a hacker. And he's a hacker. And he's, he's a gay. He and Oh, is he gay, too? I forgot. Yeah. Anyway, um, the, but, like, okay, so my whole point is I'm like, girl, he's on drugs. He's disappeared because he's on drugs. Like, so he, in his, like, state of whatever, tells Becca to go and meet up with this guy Right. Surrender to the tattoo parlor. She's never been in a tattoo parlor she's in never, her life. She's never been to a tattoo parlor. She meets this guy, Nick. Though, honestly, either of the Rixies could have been perfectly fine, right? Yeah. Um, then she he refuses to help her, right? Mm-hmm. And then the next time she sees him is in her house. <laughs> like, I, I just feel like if I were in that situation, even if I was afraid of an intruder... I would have some questions. Yeah. I would have some questions on a lot of things about that gentleman. <laughs> but instead, she's like, she's like, oh, thank you for saving me. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah. then he's like, you can't stay here. And she's like, why not? And there's a great moment where he's like, we can't talk about it right now. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Because you literally, like, there's a part in it where he, like, runs in and he's like, there's an intruder in your house. I'm like, yeah, you. You are the intruder. Like, I don't know. She comes at, at him with a butcher knife. Yeah. And he, like, knocks it away. And then he's like, wait, I'm a good person. He's, okay, well, oh, okay. well, if okay. you say that you're a good person. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's like. Becca, it's Rixie. Someone's in your house. Me? <laughs> but also someone else. But also, I mean, you need to, he needs to work on his, like, his, his, like, delivery of important information. Someone isn't in your house. You're both in your house. You know what I mean? Like, even like, that even is, Becca is in her house. Like, everyone is in your house. <laughs> like, your house is occupied. Mm-hmm. Great. And then she was like, what are you doing here? And he was like, I kind of stalked you for a little while. And she's like, oh. Okay, that seems okay. fine. And then, like, they're in, like, a dangerous situation. Um, and he's just, like, keeps thinking about her breasts. And I'm like, how did you get through special ops? <laughs> if you are so distracted by a lady's boobs. <laughs> yeah. He's not the best at this. I know. And then he's like, you know, you know, she's like, you know, so you're, now you're helping me? And then he's like, go pack a bag or I will. Okay, so now he's threatening her, right? Like, I don't know. 
know. I just feel like maybe Becca has some other problems that we need to get through. It's okay because they had a moment. They had a moment while he stared at her breasts and she looked at his biceps and then they were like, that's hot, therefore I should trust them. That's what happened. Yeah, they're like, he's like, you know, what's happened to bring about this 180? Um, Why? What's changed? She said, he said, you being in danger. That's not a change. Yeah, she was in danger in the beginning. Yeah. Everyone Me, was in believing da- that's you, why, being in danger. That's why she was at the place <laughs> yeah. in the first place. I uh, didn't believe it until I saw it for myself. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, she, you know, I, okay, I have another theory about this. Okay. About her. Okay. Um, okay, so Becca, the, um, the main problem of this the main conflict of the story which we take for fucking ever to talk about um is the fact that he's part of the secret ops team that her father was part of mm-hmm. and her father um tri- what what's the word for that um he he double crossed them mm-hmm. he um <clears throat> he led his team into a situation where um, a lot of the team got killed and, like, apparently he was taking money for opium smuggling in Afghanistan, you know. So, Becca thinks that her father, despite being a bigoted jackass to her only brother, is, um... That is a lie, because there's one other brother. Well, no, the only brother left alive. okay, yeah. (laughs) And, And also, I was like, what's the story with the brother that died Mm -hmm. from an overdose Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) um but anyway so her father is like this idol of a person like he's this god that doesn't do anything wrong and you get that idea and then also he's been dead for what like a couple years it's really hard the timeline is really hard because at one point they talk about she talks about getting a gift from her dad last year what? Yeah, that was also like the thing that I was like, I had problems with the timeline. Because remember when they got the locket? Uh huh. She said yeah. she got it last year from him, what? which doesn't make any sense. No, that doesn't. Well, because I, I thought, thought it was at least that, a couple of years. I thought it was at least a couple of years because like they were able. He was because Nick was able to get almost an entirely tattoo license in the in between. Yeah. While not even caring about it, this dude knows how to make lifelike portraits in tattoo doesn't even fucking care about tattooing you know how fucking hard it is to draw a portrait like with pencil it's really hard this and is this some guy... artist shade going on right now <laughs> yeah. like this dude is like i'll just freaking like drift through this experience but like you know how skin is so difficult to mm-hmm. work with like why why are you working so hard why have you been drawing portraits your entire life and you just didn't want to talk about it? He's like, I don't really want to talk about it, but I'm actually like, I actually have an, a BFA. Like, <laughs> that's what he was doing. He totally has a BFA. <laughs> but I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it because it's not manly enough a show. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about how you would get this skill set because that would ruin, ruin the bad boys vibe. Yeah, it would. Because Jeremy is the sensitive artist type and yes. he's bisexual. So. Yeah. yeah, so that, you know, then he's not a bad boy anymore. No. Because bisexuals can't be bad boys. No. They're basically gay. Yeah. Jeremy ends up with Charlie, um, the, the gay brother. But that's, not in this book, apparently. That's why I said that 
He's basically gay. Not because bisexuals are basically gay. <laughs> but Sarcasm. In the, in the, because actually in this book, he's seen as not a threat to anyone's masculinity. Yes. Right? Like, he is literally, threat. like, part of the joke is he wears these shirts that say, like, pound town on them or something. Or, like, this, you know, or, like, complete unit or, like, lots of penis jokes and things yeah. like that. And that is not seen as... It's, it's like, not only not offensive in the story, but it's also seen... And he also flirts with, with, everyone. with everyone, including Becca. But, like, it's not offensive to anyone um, or in any way a threat to anyone's masculinity. Because he's yeah. bisexual. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. So you could unpack that for a bit. <laughs> and also, um, Becca's older brother dies from a heroin overdose. Just, like, for fun. In college, and we don't we don't unpack that. We don't unpack that. What? Well, and that also is why it's strange that when her other brother is basically acting like he's on drugs, why her brain doesn't go to to heroin overdose? Because like she already knows her family's kind of susceptible to it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because she's in denial, in so much fucking denial. I'm sure she had like f- red flags about her dad way before this. Yeah, like I bet he was weird because where the hell like the other thing is like okay so you her dad's a bad dude he smuggled opium and had an offshore account with millions of dollars in it for what like is this guy buying ferraris like is this guy like waiting to give it to his kids like is this guy like you know just keeping it in a bank somewhere like what the hell how could you how could he live smuggling all this shit and not do anything with that money or raise any red flags whatsoever? Mm-hmm. Was he saving it for his kids? We don't know. We didn't unpack that. We are just like, well, he's a bad guy. Okay. <laughs> and then <laughs> the part where, where... So they finally tell her 85% into the book. And um, she's like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well that kind of fits. Yeah. Kind um, of fits, you know. Uh-huh. And he was like so mad that he she didn't initially believe him. Yes. Yeah. Like immediately. Like your sainted father actually is an opium dealer. And then she's like, you know, that does kind of fit. And then to make oh god. The the worst part is that she at first didn't believe them. She mm-hmm. said it was bullshit. Well, she didn't use that word because she's a good girl. Um, but she uh, she said it was bullshit. And then when she finally believed, like a day later, she was like, I am sorry that I did not believe you immediately. I'm truly apologizing and I'm going to give you a hug. Oh. <laughs> and then she hugs the entire rest of the troop. Because her father is a jackass. Talk about emotional labor there. <laughs> well, there's also, and we haven't talked about it next, is, I, and, I, and I need to like skip to it, is during, so there's about to be like a big fight scene, right? Mm-hmm. And then she's like, I'm coming with you. Which is something that would fit in this book. Uh-huh. Which, like, okay, cool, but you're not trained as a commando. Yeah. Um, and she says, um, uh, let me find it. 
then uh, anyway, she she then is like, all right, all right. I, what I mean is, is that I'm gonna build, make you all delicious comfort food. So when you all come back, you can eat that comfort food. Like, like it didn't even make any fucking sense. Like <laughs> no. she asked each of them what their individual things are, and both me and Wendy were like stressed out by the event planning <laughs> that was involved in that thing. Like you would have to ha- you'd have to go like. All of the different groceries would buy like a bunch of shit. Uh-huh. You'd be making like mac and cheese and Some like. Some of that stuff is not refrigerated. Not refrigerated. Like, there's eight different people that. <laughs> eight. That's eight different meals. And then, and then, like, what if it didn't all come out at the same time? Like, what if you, the grilled cheese sandwich came out first and then the. Yeah. Uh, it would pizza. be like, here, Frank, this is your frozen mac and cheese. And here, Nick, this is your hot and ready <laughs> spaghetti. <laughs> well, yeah, and the way she says it is, first of all, that's not what I was going to say. I know a lot of things. <laughs> Do you? Do you now, Becca? Tell us more. He, well, he does a lot of things where he's like, she's so smart. She's so smart. She has a brain. <laughs> oh, man. What I was going to say is that we've got to stop eating nothing but takeout. What? Well, which is not what you said. You said I'm coming with you. God. Did she actually say I'm coming with you? Mm. No, he says you're not coming with me. Uh, Doesn't it? Let me see. All right. Now we're going back to the text here. (laughs) This is important. Oh, she says, um, I've made a decision. Cool. Good job. She's like, I had a Good thought. Good job, honey. I had a thought. Um, Ain't she cute with her thoughts? Uh, uh, though I'm, okay. So one of the things that was interesting, I think, about this book is that what I think is inside a tattoo is bad boy, right? So in bad boy romances, there are guys that aren't really quite right for you, right? Like they're, they're and, and one thing we've noticed between this and the biker romance is that, and we were talking about it right before, is that the thing that they can offer that, you know, good boys or heroic characters or anti, like, pro-heroes versus anti-heroes can give is safety, right? There's, like... Safety at all costs. Safety at all costs. Um, Which is interesting because it's like a masculinity that can't be tamed but is somehow going to keep you safer than societally acceptable masculinity. Like, they tend to beat up... They tend to assault people. They tend to be vigilantes. Like, they take... They take matters into their own hands Mm -hmm. based on almost no evidence, and they go and they pound people in. Like, they basically kill people in this novel, you know? Mm -hmm. And we don't know if they're worth it. We don't... We don't actually know how deep into this Charlie really is, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, for all we know, Charlie could be the ringleader. Yeah. We don't, we don't know anything. We don't know anything. There's, there's like two things of circumstantial evidence. And then they're like, all right, let's go. All right, let's kill. Let's let's go head first into the biggest gang in Baltimore, a city with a high crime rate. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, which I also didn't really... Anyway, we can talk about the, the idea of... I, I don't know if this is if this is really something we want to talk about, but there's an idea in this in this book of good tattoos and bad tattoos. Oh yeah, like there's good tattoos, like the fat the ones that are covering Nick, which are all military tattoos. Oh yeah, and then there's so military bad bad tattoos, which are gang tattoos. Yeah. Oh god, 
Like that. I didn't even notice that. Because they're all the bad guys have bad 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 guy tattoos, uh-huh. and all the good guys have good guy tattoos, which are mostly military. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a there's a definite like, I mean, so we get the idea that maybe like Becca has a black friend because of the, the her friend <laughs> is named Sharice or something, mm-hmm. right? That that has a character in it. But she's a work friend. She's, she's a work not friend. Even a real friend. She's like a tier two at most. Invite mm-hmm. to Christmas party. Don't bring anything. Don't bring anything. <laughs> I don't bring anything person to Thanksgiving. <laughs> will not receive any sets of mashed potatoes because you don't know if you can trust them to bring your Tupperware back. <laughs> like you're at a friendship where you might not get your Tupperware back. Um, yeah. But uh, like I, I think that though I will say that there are cultural differences in Thanksgivings because you and I are, are West Coast Thanksgiving people. Yeah. And in West Coast Thanksgiving. Everyone brings something. Yeah. Like, it is required. Like, mm-hmm. even if you had the motive, means, and opportunity to pick up everything, everyone should bring something. Because yeah. that's how you're polite. And then, if you're not, you're a freaking freeloader. Yes. Yeah. You're not contributing to the group. Mm-hmm. Right? In Midwest Thanksgiving, which I've experienced, the guest makes all the food. Even the turkey? Even, including the, not the guest, sorry. The host makes oh, the all host, the food. Yeah. The host makes everything, and you're just supposed to be there and enjoy the bounty that this person has made for you. That sounds like a lot. It's really stressed me out. I'm like, I I could bring something. <laughs> yeah. Like, just assign me an activity, mm-hmm. you know? Anyway, so I feel like there's a difference. But anyway, back to the main topic. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I felt that to be a little offensive, because I felt like there is a possibility that someone could go to jail and get a prison tattoo and still be a good human. Yeah. And Jeremy discriminates against... Jeremy, the tattoo... The tattoo parlor owner discriminates against gangs that have ta- gang tattoos. Also, so, gangbanger isn't even a... Do people really say that? <laughs> no, I felt like, especially with a book that happens in Baltimore, which is a majority, majority black area, and also like... I was a little offended, and I can't remember if this is truly true, but I think the entirety of the special ops team was all white. No, there was one black guy. Oh, and he arrived late, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. And I don't remember... So there was a southern one and a black one, and I can't remember if it's the same person. They were just really discern- not discernible <laughs> as characters. They were all just a bunch of wounded warriors. I think warriors. Easy was black. Okay. His name is Edward something, and they call him Easy. Ugh. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, so, like, and I had, like, this whole, like, I kept on trying to remember, like, wait, where are we again? What what demographic do we have? Because a lot of the quote-unquote gangbangers, to me, sounded a lot like, you know, like, L.A., like, Latino-type groups. Yeah, I felt like it, it, it seemed, and I don't know that much about Baltimore, I should say, but it did seem more West Coast than East Coast mm-hmm. in terms of like, but I also felt like the introduction of the gang felt inconclusive to the type of crime that we were pretty sure that Charlie's dad had been involved in. Yeah. Th- so apparently the, the end reveal is that Charlie found out something about his dad that is a state secret. Um, and then, uh, and then somebody, some company hired the church, so the local gang, to abduct 
Charlie. Yeah. And do something with him. Because he was definitely, like, they didn't really know what they were doing with him. Which was... they weren't kidnapping, really. They weren't uh, killing. There was just... It was just, uncertain, like, what the end goal was of that activity, right? And it includes, like, going to a strip club, which was good so that we could see that Nick could look at a lady and and not feel anything, which is fine. Because getting a hard-on is cheating. Yeah. And feel physically ill if another woman touches him. Yeah. Um, this this book had huge undertones of the good old military. It really yeah. was a military subgenre. It really was. That um, just happened to have a tattoo parlor somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. But, but and also like <laughs> so the whole thing about like uh military and that kind of stuff. It all kind of turned for me when somebody asked Rick why he uh went into the military and he said it was 9-11. Oh, yeah. Went, that was so, like, <laughs> of course it was. I was like, oh, this is the book I'm reading. Hi. <laughs> so we're saying be this. American. <laughs> um, we are dealing with, you know, country-loving, like, uh, slightly bigoted white guys that have military tattoos who only care about safety of their women. <laughs> okay, okay. Here's, that's where we are right now. Yeah, yeah. It's really like, it's, it's almost like strangely anti, anti-tattoo is what you explained. And then also it was kind of strangely anti-government as well. <laughs> because the government is covering a secret. And the only thing that the, the group is worried about is returning their honor. <laughs> They're like, if we uncover this... The state secret. Mm-hmm. We will return our honor to our group and not be dishonorably discharged. And we'll bring honor to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's an anti-government, government-loving group. <clears throat> but yeah. So so what's the whole? Once the whole nine eleven clicked in, I was like, oh okay. So I understand. I understand who Becca is. I understand who who Nick is. You know, and that makes a lot more sense of like. I mean, historically, there was a lot of fear that went along with um, 9-11, and we're still dealing with the aftershocks of that. Um, and this, like, need of safety over freedom, mm-hmm. which is what, which is what uh, Becca is really desiring. She wants safety over freedom. He doesn't ask her any questions. He doesn't, he doesn't, like, he's surprised when she has an original thought. <laughs> he's, he's going against the law to, to save her and she's doing nothing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting as well, because this book, this book doesn't exactly have consent issues, though at one point the main love interest uses, doesn't use a condom and doesn't really check in. After oh, a whole book of using condoms yeah. in, in, the, in the sex scene. But they do that when they're, like, really into it. That's, uh, that's temporary. She liked it, so that made it okay. And she she had birth control already. Yeah. Thank God. I think, well... <laughs> yeah, and, and what she says right after, that's okay, I liked it. Like, <laughs> I, cool. I'm glad we figured that out after. Which, but I had, like, it almost had a, a, another type of consent issue in which Becca would like to have sex. And throughout the book, Nick will not let her have sex. Like, it's this control that yeah. he has where he says that you're not ready 
to engage in this. Yeah. Which at first felt like, yeah, this is a traumatic incident. Let's not complicate it further by having sex with strangers. Uh-huh. Um, but, which I, I kind of just wanted to, like, get up and do a round of applause. This, but <laughs> when, when they were like, it wasn't that they were interrupted by an adorable puppy dog. It wasn't, it, it wasn't that, like, the, the funny uh, brother with the funny shirts walked in. Uh-huh. It was like, we have made an adult decision uh-huh. that now is a, not a good time to bone. Yeah. I was like, well done. Well done, Nick. Uh-huh. But, but and instead of boning on Tuesday, they boned Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, um, anyway, but, but it's that idea of safety. It's like a, it's like a psychological safety. So like the, the sort of deal I think that's made with women is if you agree to like a lesser amount of rights, you will get a safety that is beyond what you yourself can get because you are weak, right? Yeah. You do not have power. We will, we, you will still not have power, but you will be safe mm-hmm. from terrible things happening to you. And that's, this, I, and that's the ultimate role of, of uh, traditional femininity is that you, you offer services such as love and comfort and food in exchange for safety because men are traditionally stronger. Yeah. Theoretically. Yeah. And, and that's something that comes up in bad boy stories. I think in that psychologically, in a bad boy story, one understands logically that this is not actually very helpful, but it still provides in the context of a bad boy story, a safety that is beyond the control of society, a non-societally, societally, um, uh, societally uh, like, like, okay, condoned. Con- a non-societally condoned safety. Which is, um, which is funny because it also, like, you know how, like, a lot of romances are selling ultra-masculinity? The purpose of ultra-masculinity in this case is to save them, you know, for safety reasons. To further on the, the masculine from feminine dichotomy, you know. But if you have, like, a regular guy, like, you know, who's, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, works in sales, you wouldn't look at him and be like, hey, can you, like, go in a covert operation to, <laughs> to go save my brother from strange things, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, like, like, who you, are these women? Who are these women who, like, who, like, walk into tattoo parlors and, you know... <laughs> Um, they Just expect to be saved from whatever bullshit they're doing. Yeah. Obviously drugs. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's so funny, too, because um, the book that I was reading before this, well, actually, in between this, um, the the book that I was reading was Loretta Chase's uh, Dukes Prefer Blondes. Pretty light-sounding, right? <laughs> like, that does not pussyfoot around as far as <laughs> what it is <laughs> but it is actually a lengthy novel that deals with um the political suffragist movement mm. in the 1800s mm-hmm. and, and at one point the guy who um the, the guy who is he's the um he's the uh he's a barrister and then he turns into a duke Later on, he he gives this entire speech to the House of Lords where he's mm-hmm. like, we are we are telling women that in in regards to their 
safety, we're taking away some of their freedoms. But we we don't have the the reason to do that, you know? Like, we are making that decision for them. They should be able to make that decision. You know, freedom versus... Mm-hmm. Freedom versus safety. Because the whole... The whole point they were saying is that women shouldn't be exposed to all of this crap that happens with law, mm-hmm. you know. Which is funny because <laughs> we go to hard as we get and it's like the opposite, which is like, I'm sure if you put the two books together and you were to pick which one is the most like misogynist, you would probably go towards Duke Prefers Blondes. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> Definitely was not. <laughs> um, and I think he made a really good point in that book of, like, you know, the, the choice that we're giving them of freedom versus um, safety is really not a choice at all. Unless you choose it. Well, yeah. Well, and also, this is, I mean, it's kind of a dark part of it, which is that the promise of safety is just a promise, right? Like... Like, terrible things happen to people who don't deserve it all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a problem that comes with, like, living in a society is that overall we can protect you most of the time, but we can't protect you from individual tragedy that happens outside of that, right? And it's sort of like this deal creates this false premise that one can be truly saved from from hardship if one merely follows the rules and the answer is that there's always a limit to the amount of safety one can truly have in a society which fits into the september 11th type of thing is when something that kind of i think has come out when we look maybe nearly 20 years after september 11th the the answer is is that one can never truly ever feel safe right like Mm -hmm. america will never truly feel safe no matter how much it it, it tries to sort of stop terrorist things and insurgency cells and, and all of these things that, that in the end that what happened on September 11th could happen again, you know, mm-hmm. in a different way, in a different time, and that will never truly be saved from individual tragedy, right? And yeah. that's something that I think is hard for people to deal with. And, mm-hmm. and specifically it's hard for women to deal with because they are offered they're offered a chance, right? They're offered a chance that if they follow the rules, that they will that they will be able to feel more safe, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, inside of it, and and I think that 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 that's an important part of bad boy, in that that oftentimes it seems in practice like bad boys can go beyond what is societally obligated. They can offer you a safety that is not condoned by society, like you said, and I think that's really interesting. In many ways, because I think it almost makes them overpowered as characters, right? Because the women or the men? The men, the bad boys. Because oh, yeah. they almost never, at least in the two bad boy romance novels we read, they never see the repercussions of their actions. Mm-hmm. And certainly, if if uh, Nick had gone to jail, he would no longer be a true bad boy in this novel, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he would now be, like, a prison tattoo or a gang member yeah. or however else they wanted to see it, which is interesting given... The context of the book, right? Which is a tattoo yeah. parlor. Yeah. Um, and there, and also the attempt to make tattoos not a part of street street culture, right? Um, that tattoos are, are supposed to exist as military tattoos or as, you know, he does these faces, right? Which, yeah. 
And he does like a fireman oh army God. tattoo. Like how yeah. wholesome can you get? It's so wholesome. It's just so wholesome. And she really wholesome. wanted a guitar that, you know, reminded her of her um, brother that died. Like that's yeah. sentimental, over-romantic, you know. Yeah. It, it's a good reason to get a tattoo, but... We're also not policing why people get tattoos. Yeah, yeah. Um, my husband, Matt, has been looking into getting a tattoo that's like a geometric pattern that like doesn't mean anything. You know, like tattoos He's are... He's a gang member. <laughs> He's a gang member. <laughs> right. But she's... she's but not really, listener. <laughs> We're getting real deep on the sarcasm. Today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um... We can also talk, like, something that I liked about this book is the sex inside the book is good. Like, it's yeah, written was, well. that was good sex. Yeah. Like, like throughout the book, I'm like, you know, this is a book that's not fucking around. Yeah. But maybe it is. It also... It's fucking around. There actually is a joke <laughs> like this in this book that I kind of had to slow clap at. Uh-huh. Um, which he, he's, he made, like, a, I have to keep my hands to myself. Let me find it. Uh, let me see. But yeah, I, I mean, there's that's a plus of this book. Was there any other kind of pluses? Well, you know, I usually think of like what the what is the point of this book, and definitely the sex was part of it. Um, and good job that she did it. Um, it was it, there were good sex scenes. I kind of wish there were more because they were better than anything else on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they were. Yeah, it was striking how good. Oh, here it is. In the meantime, he'd keep his hands and his dick to himself. It shouldn't be that fucking hard. Like, that was just a well-crafted <laughs> sentence. I was like, yeah. well done. Well done. Shouldn't be that fucking hard. Um, uh, but, yeah, I felt like the, t- the pacing of them was really good. Um, there was some tension. It wasn't just, like, you know, boinking yeah, every, it was, every other page. Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, and it wasn't just, like, oh, you know, I'm going to lose it this whole time. Blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It was, like, on... <laughs> on a, like 100% cock stand like <laughs> some characters are like I feel like you're you're feeling a little lightheaded these days <laughs> like these Viagra type cock stands that happen in these books yeah uh, I mean one of the reasons why I chose this book was that there was something else other than the romance which you know if well crafted a romance solely about romance can be good but you know, when it's not, it's not. So, so I was excited about like, oh, and then we're going to do some things. We're going to have some romance and we're going to do some things. Fortunately, none of the things we did were very interesting at all. No, they just kind of ran around not being very good at private eye. They were not good. Well, because it wasn't Nick's job. Nick wasn't qualified to do that. He just does serve. He just serves, uh, whatever, the things. Yeah, I don't Um, think he was even covert. Covert ops. I don't even think he was covert ops. He was just—he was just a guy just with dude. a guy tattoo, <laughs> who like just drew on the side, like he didn't uh-huh. even care about it. <laughs> I do think that the tattoos, in terms of character descriptions, are very interesting, right? Because you slowly got to know his body mm-hmm. by the tattoos that were on his body. They came, that only came out in sex scenes, right? Because mm-hmm. they were kind of all over his body. That is an interesting part of tattoos, is that mm-hmm. a lot of them are hidden. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a private thing. 
Yeah, so it was in terms of description to describe these different tattoos throughout his body. And mm-hmm. and we kind of get the story of each of them, which are, of course, always about heroism in the army. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had six soldiers on his arm, and she's like, six guys died plus my dad. Why isn't there seven? Mm-hmm. Just never asked. Just never, never asked. asked. <laughs> of course, never they did asked. only know each other for like, what, a week or three days or... yeah they did <laughs> and then he's already like you should move in with me and oh i'm like uh-huh. Uh-huh. like you all need to get therapy and then maybe come back and think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is a good idea <laughs> so ridiculous uh-huh. um and we have to like put a tiny uh plug in about that dog that dog we had we had this tiny subplot line of a pup three-legged german shepherd puppy <laughs> that saved her from a bad guy. Yeah, he well, he just showed up n- now near the break room at the hospital. All right. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm terrible. Here's, here's what I imagined happened: <laughs> is like a guy brought a puppy to his wife, who was in the hospital, uh-huh. and lost control of the puppy. And then this lady just stole their puppy. <laughs> like, I haven't seen him putting out all these lost puppy signs uh-huh. everywhere. It's three-legged dog. Three-legged dog. I paid $6,000 to get that leg removed. <laughs> I paid $1,200 for a purebred German puppy. You know, she never even checks, like, she never checks, like, to see if it's microchipped. It probably has a whole bunch of diseases. With, with puppies, you need to get them wormed and uh-huh. vaccinated and... And, you know, like, at one point, she's like, maybe I should get this dog some toys. <laughs> and so she brings her rubber ducky from home to them. It was like, you know, we have toys for them. <laughs> like, there's dog. a whole dog market out there. Yeah. And I understand there's only three days, but also... And this dog is so freaking convenient. It's really convenient. Like, he it never barks. It never, uh, like, it's only there for cute moments. This fucking protects her from a bad guy. Yeah. I, I was like, you're a puppy. What, what do you think What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> and a then, German Shepherd puppy. And one of the jokes throughout the book is the names for it, which are all stupid names. Oh, man. That's like, really at one point they named them Shiloh. And Shiloh is, like, the name of, like, a book about a dog that I read as a kid. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I was like, that is not... And it was like, it was one of those times where you realize that you would not never hang out with the characters in Mm -hmm. real life because, um, she, she would just be like, I want, I want the name like, you know, Janice or Georgia, sweet meats or whatever, (laughs) something that sounds really girly and basic. And he would be like, it needs to be Cujo or, or Matt. Spike. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, it's a girl. It should have a girl. First of all. Dogs do not care what their names are gendered as. <laughs> you can name a girl dog Cujo if you wanted to. Second of all, this whole bullshit about the, oh, it's so pussy, oh, it's so masculine is just, it was one of those things where if I was there, I would give them a look that would make them feel uncomfortable. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's how that usually happens in my world. <laughs> There's also a moment in which she says, like, she does, I like, I like dog people in general. I'm not a dog person myself, but I like dog people. But at one point they're talking about it and she's like, no, not near my baby. And she refers to it as her baby. And I'm just like, 
Uh... And she'll cover the, the dog's ears when they, like, say bad words, but... Also, does not walk the dog. Does not take the dog. To, like, I don't know if it even has a good place to sleep. And this no this dog is a puppy from the street. That dog is pissing on everything, chewing on everything, eating everything, and is running around a licensed tattoo parlor, which I'm sure <laughs> is, is a health code violation. <laughs> so many health codes. Uh-uh. Uh. And, yeah, a, and like, an armory, right? Like, don't have your dog running around, like, with a bunch of <laughs> knives and shit. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that was the worst. And that was, like, that was, like, the humor of the book. That was, that was it. Yeah. That was the part. And then we figured out the acknowledgments that she didn't think of all the names. She had other people think of the names. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, thanks for coming up with the name Shiloh. She asked all of her, the author asked all of her friends to give her dog names. Mm-hmm. So not even that part was very original. It also just wasn't very funny. I was like, let's mess around with gender and the dog. Mm-hmm. And then, like, there's a part where the the puppy um, steals some girl's dirty panties, like a dirty thong. Yeah. And instead of being like, ha-ha, that's so scandalous, I was like, dogs do that. dogs do like underwear (laughs) they probably have a lot of smells in them right yeah there's a lot of smells in underwear and it's it's a gross thing that dogs like Mm -hmm. so you better watch your underwear that's that's having a dog (laughs) yeah i was like accurate (laughs) nothing else is the dog was so close to like scooby-doo type of rock roll (laughs) like (laughs) Like, what do you think, Shiloh? Roar, roar. <laughs> yeah, it was not a good book. It was, it was not a good book. Did it you was, like it? I did not either. I, I only, I gave it two stars mostly to match your two stars, but also, <laughs> but also because like the sex scenes are written well, and so I had to like, like that was like, you know, like that's about you know, 50% of what I'm looking for in these books. So, like, I had to give that some props, but I agree that, like, the side character, there were too many of them, and I did not care about them. They weren't distinctive in any way. And I just felt like they weren't all needed in this situation. No. And it was totally, like, you know, you know, you know how writers write a huge um, backstory, and then you're like, all right, throw all of that out, and then start here. That yeah. was this book. That was the book. And I could tell, like, since we were reading first the series, maybe they were putting it all together. But I also didn't... We didn't need everybody in that situation. No. And then they also um, recapped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was- <laughs> like, he, like, tells everyone else the thing. Which I usually like, because they're always, like, he told them the story. I'm like, how did you tell that? Like, like, <laughs> like I want to know the gossip. Like, how did you talk about that situation in general? Uh-huh. But this was, like, the most boring way to describe it. I felt mm-hmm. like she maybe she needed some extra words or something in the story. Yeah. Or none. Or none. Um, yeah. She was funny. <laughs> um, yeah, the sex scenes were, were good. Um... That's it. That's it. I think I think I uh, wish that this was a little more tattoo and less nine eleven. <laughs> more tattoo. Well, and I felt like yeah, they just needed to do like the tattoo artistry was uh, admittedly very visual, so it was hard to get an idea for it. But I felt like more descriptions of how people felt with the tattoos. 
Like the, I, I, I thought that the visceral parts of tattoos were really interesting. Mm-hmm. For sure. I wonder if this author has tattoos. I think she does. I think I looked up the author, and I think she's got a bunch of tats. <laughs> um, like, not that that's... I'm not saying that's, like, a bad thing or anything. I'm just saying that, like, she, that might be part of it. No, it's not. I'm thinking of a different author. Oh. Oh, yeah. You probably looked up Jay Crownover. She's got a bunch of tats. Yeah. That's probably We should have read that. Jay Crownover. <laughs> well, I've already read all of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we can talk about what we're reading next, mm-hmm. which we are reading a lesbian pulp fiction thing that I believe is from the 50s. No, yeah, 1952. That's great. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. I, we'll see. There's obviously consent issues when you go post-2000. <laughs> Um, and, but, uh, a chance encounter between, it was called The Price of Salt by Patricia Highsmith. A chance encounter between two lonely women leads to a passionate romance in this lesbian cult classic. Uh, Teresa, a struggling young sales clerk, and Carol, a homemaker in the midst of a bitter divorce, abandon their oppressive daily routines for the freedom of the open road where their love can blossom. So it looks like it's an open road topic too. But their newly discovered bliss is shattered when Carol is forced to choose between her child and her lover. Ooh. It's by the same author as Strangers on a Plane. On, sorry. It's like snakes on a plane. Strangers <laughs> on a Train and the Talented Mr. Ripley. Oh. So, okay. Yeah. So it's like pulp. Hmm. Um, so we're going, we're going pulp lesbian, which I think we read one other lesbian maybe. No, we read gay. Yeah, we read gay. We should read more lesbian. This is definitely, like, outside of our zone, considering that this may have a bad ending. Yeah. Like, there's, there's probably, like, a 65% chance that this has this a bad This is going to be sad. I'm pretty sure this is going to be sad. So it's, like, not entirely in genre, but no. we may have a special guest who is of a classier, classier group than we usually are. <laughs> So we're moving, we're moving a fade a little bit up, a little yeah. bit up for this particular thing. Yeah. But I agree, we should read more lesbian and gay romance novels mm-hmm. for sure. Still trying to get my friend Jared to read a romance novel. Oh, it'd be fun to have Jared on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I said, Jared, you could be an an expert guest because <laughs> he's gay, and he was like, Yes, I am gay. <laughs> That makes me expert. I have slept with one man. <laughs> I was like, already. <laughs> I'm sure he, he sounds like he really took that really positive. <laughs> it's much like how um, the bisexual character and the gay character in this book later get together. Because that's the only way. It's like magnetism. <laughs> There's the two of them, yeah. so they gotta get together. You know, because somebody like a paranoid hacker introvert that is like in a hobble by himself most of the time will obviously be attracted to and work well with a tattoo artist who is a huge flirt and hangs out with everyone. Yeah, like he's like an introvert extrovert. Um, that thing sounds for sure. like a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah, with issues for sure. Yeah, cool, fun, yay! <laughs> Thank you for listening to Getting Lit. Available monthly on iTunes. For extra bonus features, you can visit gwenwendy.com/s3ep9, where you can also read more about Wendy. You can follow Alana on Twitter at librarianalana. What's the best type of romance novel, Wendy? The trashy kind. Yay!